Welcome to Higher Caliber. episode of higher caliber podcast hope you had a happy new year and a good christmas uh we're here with tim obviously as always and we finally get a chance to talk to brandon powers thanks for coming on man hello so i don't want to completely butcher your intro so i'm gonna let you do it for us if you don't mind letting us know who you are who are (laughs) you my name is brandon powers uh a guy who likes to work out lift weights shoot eat pizza Interview's over. All right. <laughs> so you have a pretty um, interesting story in regards to how you got to what you're doing today. I know you're a Coast Guard veteran and uh, you want to go ahead and start there and kind of, I want to eventually get to uh, your peak performance class, what you got going on now. But uh, if you wouldn't mind letting us know kind of what led up to that. All right. Uh, yeah. As Jared mentioned, uh, Coast Guard veteran. Uh, joined after high school, uh, served for seven years. When I got out, um, I was uh, an aviation maintenance technician stationed down at Air Station Miami. Uh, it was a great time, had a lot of fun, but I wanted to pursue something else in life. Uh, so I can't say, like everyone says, go back to college. I never started it. So <laughs> I went to college. I went back to school, maybe. Uh, at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse for exercise, uh, sport and science majored in fitness, had a minor in nutrition, double concentration in strength conditioning and coaching competitive athletics. I wanted to become a strength coach. I uh, wanted to get back into athletics. Uh, during my time in, I developed overuse injuries uh, from my job, repetitions that we did. And I wanted to eventually get back into kind of that sector and help out you know, military armed mm-hmm. professionals uh, in that way, because, you know, the job is demanding in a way, regardless of, of what you're doing. So that was kind of the main goal. Uh, so graduated school uh, with that degree, uh, went and did an internship and was volunteer strength coach at the Air Force Academy, and then took an actual job with the Air Force as an exercise physiologist. Uh, at uh, Ellsworth Air Force Base and was there for a few years. And it's where I started to really implement uh, my concepts and theories and thoughts on human performance training, strength and conditioning, uh, not just from a physical standpoint, but started introducing vision training, hand-eye coordination uh, with their security forces members there. Uh, with the fit light kits, with the tennis balls, all the stuff that I had picked up from traditional athletics and how we work as strength coaches or sports performance specialists, whatever you want to t- title us as, yeah. uh, utilizing those concepts with athletes outside of their sport, so that we look to improve uh, performers, create uh, uh, creative decision makers, adaptive problem solvers, uh, and have the most transferability in what they're doing with us into their sport. Uh, so that's where I started doing a lot of my stuff with those guys there at Ellsworth and mainly with the security forces guys. Uh, they were the ones that kind of took to it the most, but you know, for the most part job there was to oversee the physical training on the entire installation. Uh, 
also got to work. It was pretty cool to work with and talk with B1 pilots on their requirements. You know, you think yeah. sitting in a cockpit in an airplane like that uh, isn't very physically demanding, but they're up there for yeah. hours and hours and hours on end, um, you know, flying uh, all the way around the world and back, basically. Yeah, it's, not a, so, it's definitely not a video game. No. So it's interesting. It was interesting to talk with them and to work with them to develop some type of training program that would benefit them and getting to go and see what they do, see the cockpits where they work uh, and how they do things. Um, and also we had an EOD unit on base. So I always consulted with them or they consulted with me and talked and trained as those guys also uh, go on deployments and kind of be outside the wire and doing things. So that's kind of where I got back into the, the, the career field that I wanted to. Uh, unfortunately, at the time, um, budget cuts were coming and the Air Force decided to cut our job. Uh, so instead of sticking around, we uh, took off, moved back to Wisconsin and started You know what I'm doing now, Fireline Shooting and Training Center. Um, we had one location, ended up with two, and now we're back to one. Uh, but it's indoor range, retail, gun store, ammo, accessories, and of course, big part is training. And a lot of, again, what I've done as a coach from a kind of a performance standpoint is implement a lot of those principles, those concepts, those methods uh, into firearms training. Uh, to kind of make a unique blend or just a unique coaching style. Um, yeah. And, and maybe just like a different take on, on how things work. Uh, certainly since being in that industry or in this industry since 2014, I've learned a lot uh, from many people. And I'm certainly not uh, where I was nearly 10 years ago kind of just getting into the farms industry and learning how to blend these concepts together but it's been an interesting journey. It's been a very cool ride. Uh, and just, it's constantly just been evolving over and over and over again on how we can continue to, you know, make firearms training sort of like a play or a game, like kind of situations, uh, and, you know, and mold them together. Um, so it's just, it's, it's always exploring. It's always testing. Uh, and it's finding ways to, um, kind of bring what's up here uh, into play yeah. and, and make it applicable. Did the, uh, the fitness, did the fitness thing come before the firearms? I, I don't know if you just said it, or I just remember that you have, you have like a wrestling background. So you've had yeah, that for I a mean, while. I, I grew up uh, like wrestling was my sport. Uh, yeah. I, I, I grew up doing that as a kid um, all the way through high school. Uh, I still, when I was in the Coast Guard, I was still looking and being active in uh, clubs to, to, to compete and to still be in that that, that realm. Um, for a while there, took a break. And then also, like, while I was in the Coast Guard, got really into coaching. Mm-hmm. coached a high school team uh, when I was in Florida. Uh, coached another high school team when I was in South Dakota. And even still, I was active coaching through college. Um, and then as we kind of got spun up with other things, it just uh, took a back seat and, yeah. you know, you kind of put priorities in different spots. Um, now, uh, you know, where we're at now, my, my little son, my boy is uh, starting wrestling. He started last week. So cool. like, Hey, we need some help. I'm like, okay. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. So, so now we're, now we're back to herding cats. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but no, it's cool. Um, 
So yeah, you know, sports and athletics have been a very big part of my life. Uh, growing up, doing them, being involved as an athlete, and also coaching different sports. So, um, you know, getting into teaching firearms, like it was trying to learn a lot of the technical uh, fundamentals from things. Yeah. And, but I think from a coaching standpoint, uh, it's just you know, how well can you communicate with people? How well can you? you know, explain the concepts. And I really believe in letting people kind of do self exploration and discovery and yeah. what's going to work for them. Uh, and as long as they're accomplishing X, Y, and Z, I don't care about A, B, and C. Yeah. Um, I've heard you talk before about the difference between an instructor and a coach. Do you mind, uh, explaining that for everybody? Yeah. So, you know, like, in the firearms industry, you hardly ever hear the word coach, yeah. always instructor. And, uh, you know, strength conditioning coach, sports coach, uh, fitness coach, uh, you know, it's words are very interchangeable yeah. and how people do things. Um, but I think, you know, there's a, there's a clear definition and there's a clear line of, of what makes one versus the other, uh, kind of in my opinion, uh, the instructor is, uh, somebody who greets you when you walk in says, all right, let's get to work, uh, go through the motions and we're done. Wow. Great job. Have a good day. And we'll see you later. Uh, it, it's kind of like a, a regurgitation of information over and over and over again. Uh, and the information really never, ever changes. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's no, there's no constant feedback. There's no constant, uh, evolution. There's no progression. It's hey, thanks. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for coming. Uh, and it's basically like, how I'm doing it is how you need to do it. And there's, there's no other way. It's, it's just that uh, yeah. where I think of like a coach, it's, it's constant interaction. Uh, that's how my experience is. Like we have a sport coach and yeah, you might only be around them for four to six months out of the year, but you know, five days out of the week, you're, you're with them for a couple hours. Uh, and it's constant, just progressions and evolutions throughout a season. Um, and uh, a coach is also one that is not afraid to, I think, go and recommend you to somebody else when you may not have the answer or you can't provide uh, what somebody may need. Um, but a coach is also somebody who is investing uh, themselves into the people they work with, but also into themselves on constant uh, education and learning and being able to communicate better uh, and their methods and their concepts and their theories are always ever changing uh, because, you know, and, and, and from a coach standpoint, it's, you care more about the people you work with than, you know, maybe about yourself so much. Yeah. There's a big separation and ego because at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter how, well, I can maybe do something. It's how well can I communicate these concepts to people to get them to be doing things better. Right. Um, so I, 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 there's a definite uh, split between what makes one versus the other. And the words are very interchangeable. Um, and kind of the one thing that I've seen that is very different from the fields that I've been involved in or am involved in versus, you know, the farms industry is that we kind of miss that, that coach relationship. Um, yeah you know, in, in, in this space. Yeah. Um, what you said about not being able to articulate, I mean, that's why there's, uh, you know, not usually ex, uh, or retired boxers in people's corners. They're usually guys that, you know, can actually articulate what to do and not just, well, I can do it. So 
figure well, it out. And we've all been to those, especially firearms classes that, yeah. you know, they're the instructor and you go and you pay the money and they run you through all the, their drills or whatever. And it's thanks for coming. Have a good day. There's no, you know, coaching aspect. And I think yeah. people, people really suffer from that. You know, they're paying money for just to, to be around that person, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, and that sad part is like, I just I mean, I had a conversation with uh, a friend yesterday about, you know, this very concept is we've all been through that situation, me personally. Um, and it's just like, hey, I paid my fee. I've got supervised drills that we're running. And it, 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 that's it. Like, okay, that was, that was disappointing. Um, yeah. What do we always know, call it? Supervised shooting or supervised shooting. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it's basically, you're getting babysat on the range to, yeah, and just yep. being told and kind of being told what to do. Yep. Uh, you know, one other thing too, um, where I kind of look at, uh, you know, a coaching situation is, you know, providing programs and providing a path, uh, and not necessarily making people do their own homework and trying to figure things out. It's like, Hey, this is all we've gone through. Well, uh, not all this, like here is an ideas and, or here is a way you can continue to work on these. You get their foot in the door basically. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you get, you get homework to go home with versus you trying to figure out the homework. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. You know, we just, we establish baselines, we establish uh, where we're at and we continue to utilize, you know, what was, learned or uh, conveyed and instructed over the past, you know, eight to 16 hours. And it's like, well, here's your roadmap. Uh, now continue to do this and, you know, and go about your way. So yeah, it's very, very, uh, I would say it's difficult at times because shooting is expensive. Um, <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's, it's, it's not like uh, we can just go and uh, go do something and because shooting has expendables uh, yeah. we've got brass primers bullets powder uh, all that's expensive like that's the expensive part um, yeah. and the you know the the other thing everyone talks about is the dry fire aspect uh and which is which is free of course um but again like people need to know how to do things. And I think one thing that uh, I've looked back over in the past you know 12 months or so is we hear this all the time, like come learn how to train. Uh, when I think maybe we should spin it maybe a little differently is, is come learn how to self coach, Yeah, uh, you know, learning how to self diagnose, understand the feedback that is being presented to you through everything you're doing and how to recognize it, how to analyze it and, and how to do things on your own, because essentially like your shooting journey is going to be uh, very just you yourself and I, uh, because we don't have a lot of opportunities to have that coach in the corner to guide us through things. Yeah. Did you grow up? Did you grow up shooting? I'm kind of wondering where that you get out of the military and it's, you know, uh, gun store and range type thing. No, I mean, you could say like, you could use the, uh, <laughs> the, the overused term. I grew up shooting guns, uh, <laughs> but like every other you know, American who has guns, like, yep, yeah. I grew up hunting, uh, yeah. go out hunting every year. And every couple of times a year, you'd get the guns out, sight mm-hmm. them in, go shoot them, or you just go out and have some fun. But like shooting, no, yeah. uh, the, the gun store kind of came around, um, as an idea of just wanting to, 
explore an opportunity and to see how we could fit a need into a space that, uh, that we believed was there. So uh, it was just kind of a, a random thought uh, that had been there for a while and having the current job situation be what it was. It was like, yeah, why not? Let's, let's give it a, tr- let's give it a try. Let's give it a go and and see where it takes us. So what brought you to uh, competitive shooting? Uh, I think from a competitive shooting standpoint, getting into it was trying to really just dive down the rabbit hole and learn a lot of the technical fundamentals of how to shoot better. Um, you know, we hear it all the time about, uh, if people want to get better or certain agencies or units want to get better, they're not hiring some tactical guy to come in and do things because their previous life, they did a certain cool job. It's no, we want to bring in the people who are the best shooters in the world yeah. uh, and how they do things. So um, that's kind of what got me into that was just exploring of how to become a better shooter and, and learn more about uh, the technical side of, of the task. So how was your first match? <laughs> Horrible. I've shared it. It's somewhere. <laughs> uh, I look very, very tense and robotic. Yeah. Uh, even like, you know, given my background as an athlete, it was just, uh, was very much more conscious of, you know, the gun in the hand and, and yeah. doing things a certain way. Um, and, but quickly like that kind of went away, like yeah. got very comfortable, um, very soon uh, in doing things. So yeah, like, it wasn't great. I remember the story of uh, sitting in the clubhouse at the end of the match. And uh, if you guys know James DeLambert uh, and you know, James has grown uh, so much since I've known him um, and just become, he's a great shooter and just kind of watch him evolve into a, uh, a young man that he is now from uh, being a, being a teenager. I remember this kid, he's 15. And uh, we're sitting in the clubhouse and there's a stage like, can you operate? And he's looking at the scores and he looks at me. He's like, clearly you cannot. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, but no. So like, that was like, yeah, there's a lot to learn. Like getting just punched right in the throat yeah. um, uh, to start out. And, you know, it just kind of went from there. So, you know, it was into it quite a bit in the beginning. Um, and then over the past few years, I uh, haven't done it so much more now because we're just at a point in life where kids take priorities, families taking more priority yeah. to uh, not be running around, not be going all the time, uh, especially with work and other obligations. Uh, so, you know, still get out and do it uh, when I can or when I feel I have time to do that and invest the time into it. But it's certainly fun. Uh, it's certainly a way to learn where your deficiencies are. I don't think it's it's certainly not the only way to improve upon your skills and your knowledge and things like that. Right. Yeah. I'm just wondering when that light bulb clicked on where you saw people kind of maybe a little out of shape running awkwardly and you're like, Hey, this is, this is more than just, you know, standing there and shooting. There's a lot going into this. I could actually, you know, get there. So probably didn't take you very long to figure it out. No, no. Um, I kind of 
you know, the, the strength coach, uh, mindset of myself, uh, that I have is we're always analyzing, uh, anything we get out and go do or athletes or sport we work with. It's, it's first and foremost, it's like, Hey, when you do a needs analysis, like, yeah what, what's the environment? Like, what's the sport? You know, what is it? Uh, who are the stakeholders, uh, the athletes, coaches, parents, the community, whomever is involved, like what is, what is going into this and, and what's it in for them and how are they involved in it? We're looking at the environment. We're looking at physical and mental requirements. Uh, we're looking at all of that. So uh, very analytical in, uh, the sport uh, starting out. And it was, yeah, we could, we could definitely start, meshing and molding concepts here because uh it it is an athletic sport regardless i think what some people may think about it um well you've proven you know or how or 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 how well you need to be in shape to do it and be to be good at it um you know so there's certainly some benefits to that i believe so it was just kind of there and it's i would say yeah it started from there okay so walk me through the I guess the genesis of, uh, peak performance. Oh, peak performance. Uh, and and again, people kind of looked at peak performance when it came out was, Hey, like this is a a movement style class for competitive shooting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's certainly an avenue we can, we can go down, but it's not like the end all be all. Uh, most of us who train with firearms and concealed carry and for, self-protection and defense, like a lot of us aren't going to go this route of competitive shooting. Uh, but a, a big thing that I see and many others may see is like when you put a firearm in someone's hand, they become robotic. They become uh, very, very aware of what is in their hand. And at some, at to a point, like almost uh, to their hard, detriment. <laughs> yeah. How hard can I move with this and not, you know, hurt myself or somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also kind of looking at from the competitive shooting aspect of it, or just in general, the overall population is, uh, movement is, is life. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing people move or not be able to move well because they're tight, they have imbalances, they have injuries. They're just not in shape anymore. Uh, in a, in a sense, uh, and I use that term pretty loosely here. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, so kind of looking at it, it was like, all right, we need to continue to find a way to implement this style of training and this concept into our daily lives, uh, to be able to move better. Uh, because you know, you two and probably majority of people who listen to this played sports in high school, right? Yes. Yep. But once you stop doing that, like the amount of movement you were doing was reduced significantly. Because you no longer had practice sessions, games, uh, and or any other type of training session you may have done. So, what happens? You stop moving. Well, you start to start to lose all that uh, those patterns and that physical literacy that you built up over the years. But you still want to go out and have fun and play hard. And mm. this is where people now get tired, hurt injured uh or sore from just being on their feet all day or a two-day event or you know whatever um and this is this this was the idea of peak performance is how can we continue to supplement uh some training into 
uh, people's you know regiment who want to be better at competitive shooting or if they are an armed professional or just average Joes like you and I, uh, but still want to feel like they are capable yeah. uh, because that is a, a real thing. Like um, being able to get up off the ground or get back down uh, to move vertically and to be able to get from one point to the other as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a reality and it's, it's very much a possibility. So why continue to hinder yourself by not doing these things? Yeah. I think most people realize it too late, you know, when they're retirement age and they're like, Oh, I have no muscle mass and I've completely (laughs) just squandered my, you know, that was kind of the idea behind peak performance from a physical standpoint was uh, how, how can we, you know, take 15 minutes or 20 minutes, a few days a week, just to, you know, in a sense, my firearms world train off the range to make that training better on the range and then take it further off the range and put it back into daily activities in real life. Um, you know, a lot of times I see in the firearms community, like, Hey, I'm going to go work movement. And it's always just done on the range, gun in hand, like, it works. You're going to get improvement because you're doing it more. Right. Movement is so much more than just running from position to position on the range with a gun in your hand and, and kind of blending those skills together. Um, movements, being able to get down, tie your shoes, take a, take a squat down on the grass, uh, you know, pick your kids up more. Mm-hmm. If you have to run across the parking lot as fast as you can. Um, so yeah, like people tend to tend to, put it off for a long time. But then when they start to get back into it, they're like, holy shit. Yeah, I sucks. like, man, no, like they're like, I feel so much better. Like, yeah. man, I've dropped some weights. My, my joints don't hurt anymore. I've I'm understanding how to do these things. And I have never heard anybody tell me or say, I wish I wasn't in as good a shape as I was. Uh, <laughs> right. That's very true. Or I wish I wasn't as strong as I was. I wish I had less mobility. I've never heard that. And right. no one has ever said it. Uh, so, you know, it, this is the thing, like people think like, if I, te- if I ask you like, what does in shape mean to you guys, what does mm-hmm. it mean? To me, it means, uh, not being overweight and being able to, uh, like you said, like walk up the stairs and not be out of breath, you know, just, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a pretty, uh, bold or broad term, I should say. Sure. Yeah, the eye most of the people think, like when I say it though, they're like, oh, they're going to be, you know, I've got to run a four, four forty. I have to back squat X amount of weight or bench press this or have the certain style of physique. And it's like, no, it's yeah. not what being in shape means. Yeah. It's being, uh, capable of doing the task when required to, and having a successful or positive outcome to that. And yeah. obviously the more in shape you are, the better chances of that happening is. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, like having a healthy weight, uh, eating properly, you know, and doing all these things, like it's a very broad term and it means different things to different people. Yeah. But I like, I like to use, uh, just football as an example of all the 53 man roster on NFL team is look at all the different body types there. Like right. each one of them has a job. Most of them are a hell of a lot better athletes than any of us. Mm-hmm. And they're in shape conditioned right. uh, to do that role. So, you know, it's a very broad term. And again, it means things, means different things to different people. Um, but ultimately it's like being able to execute the tasks within your life and 
at some point, like that task is going to be getting up off the floor, being able to squat down on the toilet, walking up and down the stairs without being out of breath. Um, and, and those things like, so that's important. And that's like, that's where I believe we need to continue to maintain this, this type, this level of physical literacy and resilience in our tissues so that we're able to continue to do those things for as long as possible, mm-hmm. because there's no going back up the hill, right? Like we, most of us are stagnant or we're going down the hill, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, the wheels start to fall off at the age of 30. Yeah. Like you start to lose certain things then. And once you reach 40, like it gets even harder. And imagine when you're at 50 and 60. Uh, so, you know, I tell people, it's like, Hey, you just got to get up and keep moving every day. Like whether it's walking, yeah. running, jogging, if you like to go lift weights, go do that, ride a bike, go, go swimming, do something, go play with your kids, get off your butt and, and, and go do things and continue to work through these various range of motions and yeah. challenge yourself so that you can continue to maintain what you have. Because if you don't, uh, you are going to lose it faster than you want. Oh, we see people all the time that look like they should be able to get off the couch and they can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean yeah. to those people, but <clears throat> you look at them and you're yeah. like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that when I'm, you know, not even 60 yet. And it's from a, you know, just sitting around all day or a sedentary lifestyle. If you want to get, yep. you know, uh, ask them the testosterone question. Oh, so, <laughs> so somebody came to me the other day. Uh, a fireman and he, I don't, he's in his mid twenties, maybe early to mid twenties. Um, and he, uh, is getting testosterone injections from his doctor because he has low testosterone. And he mm-hmm. said that there is some correlation between, uh, first responders having low testosterone because either they're apparently it's elevated cortisol adrenaline or mm-hmm. sleep cycles or something like that. Do you, do you know anything about that? Um, not like specifically, uh, but certainly I I've heard and, and read, you know, throughout the years, like given certain job types, the exposures, what you're around, uh, certain chemicals and hormones that you may have more in your body. Like it has negative effects to it. Um, sure. if he is getting, uh, TRT uh, from his doctor, I would imagine like his levels are, are low. I would right. hope, like, and he's just not getting, you know, paying right. the doc some extra cash for that. I, right. I, right. I and I don't know the that, specifics but, of that, but I mean, but, when, know, I, when I like, first heard it, I wanted to say that he was full are, of crap. You know, there are some, I mean, and everybody's a little different. Um, <clears throat> You I know, was kind of given, given how you react to the job stimulus and the stress. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the hormone levels in your body can throw other things off. So uh, it, it, I'm not going to say I, it's not a possibility, but it, it certainly could be a possibility. That sounds a lot more individual. Yeah. That sounds a lot more possible. I was talking about the skinny legs and the big gut thing. Oh, cause that seems like made up fairy tale. I don't know. I, I, well, I started to dive into it and you know, what are the uh, symptoms of low testosterone, you know? And I, there was something I read that said, you know, if somebody has every dude with skinny legs and a big gut, it wasn't everyone, but they said a high percentage of people with skinny legs and a big gut has low testosterone. But, and that oh, was, I don't know about, about that. I haven't, I've got no, uh, Got yeah. no data to, to speak on that. I part, just wanted so. to know if you thought that sounded crazy. 
Everyone's sitting there drinking their Bud Light with their skinny <laughs> jeans on going, it's my low T. Leave me alone. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe they just always skip leg day. Right. Could be. Do you know you talked about um, about your class and your ideology? Do you find it to be a hard sell in the firearms industry as far as classes and stuff? Uh, yeah, because you know people want to want to shoot, right? Uh, you know they want to they they're going to a class to learn how to shoot. So yeah, it's a it's a difficult sell, and I'm sure you guys have seen it uh, over the years. How like the the approach or the style of curriculum has maybe, you know, has gained popularity and more people are doing it. There's different versions of this idea out there now. And by no means do I think that I came up with the idea because the idea had been being done for a long, long time mm-hmm. before, you know, 2020, 2019, when I started to put it together and started to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it certainly is because when I started pushing it out, uh, in 2019, everyone was, you know, well, how's that going to make you a better shooter? This isn't going to make you shoot better. And it's like, well, you're right. You know, directly, it's not going to, yeah. but indirectly, it makes you a better performer. Sure. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, I, I'm not gonna lie. It is tough to do that. Uh-huh. But over the, over the years, and even I would say last 12 months, just can continually to share more and more and more about it. You know, people have reached out to me more about it. Uh, and you know, again, kind of the, the field that I think, you know, may benefit from this the most have been reaching out. And that's a lot of just agencies and departments from a law enforcement standpoint, Perfect. um, going, yeah, we, we see the benefit. Uh, we, we can see how this can help. Uh, and it's very different from what we are doing in our own academies or in our own training days. Uh, and what we're doing there is we're not necessarily training requirements for the job. We're training requirements uh, for what we need to match on the range. And it's like, yeah, that's a huge flaw. And it's good that you're recognizing this. And this is an, an absolute excellent opportunity for you to take advantage of to learn how to create better performers, you know, within your, your units, your agencies. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of cool to see. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a tough sell because when you think of shooting class or a firearms class, people are like, well, I want to learn how to shoot better. And, mm-hmm. um, over the years again, like, it's just like my idea of the course is continuing to evolve and mold and how it's, yeah. how it's all meshes yeah, together. Craft so, it. um, yeah, uh, it, and where it was, where it is today, kind of on paper and you know, what we do is, is still the same idea uh but it's certainly done a different in a different style now i think one of the big things that you bring to is the the visual stuff you know not everybody does whole picture in their class and i don't want to give I mean, feel free to talk about it as much as you want i don't want to give away every detail of your class but. yeah i mean like i look at uh i look at people that have mentored me over the years in a strength conditioning role and they were not just uh, the strength coach on the floor with a whistle screaming and hollering at athletes uh, while they lift weights or blowing the whistle, doing conditioning drills uh, out on the, out on the grass. Um, it very much is a holistic approach. Uh, and I look at um, the strength coaches that, you know, we're working with athletes that required a hand-eye coordination baseball, hockey, football, and kind of what they were, were doing 
but also I think a, a big influence to me was being at the Air Force Academy and being able to walk across the street into uh, Clune Arena and into the Human Performance Lab and talk with uh, Coach Al Weil. Uh, he was, before he started working in the lab, he was the uh, Academy's boxing coach for decades. Mm. Uh, so, you know, here's a guy teaching hand-eye coordination and, and eye and vision drills uh, in their Human Performance Lab, working with their cadets. Uh, and, and doing things. So kind of where I got introduced into a lot of that. And I think it makes complete sense uh, to incorporate that into uh, a firearms segment because, you know, vision does drive what we do and in, in, in really in everything we do in life. Yeah. Um, you know, 80% roughly of the stimulus that we receive every day is through vision. And I, I, I tell it all the time, like, Hey, your eyes, their one only job is to gather information. So the more you can increase the strength and endurance of those muscles, uh, you start to gather in more, you can open your vision more and gather more information because they're let, they're not tired. They're not getting stressed. Uh, and the, the theory behind that is that, you know, your eyes are striated must made up striated muscles, just like any other muscle in your body. Mm-hmm. So we use theories of, strength conditioning and like, Hey, here's set reps protocols. Yeah. We know that tissues grow, they get stronger. Wow. It's never heard of anyone doing a biopsy on an eyeball, which I don't think would be a good idea. <laughs> um, so, so we utilize that theory to go, Hey, and, and there's been, you know, vision training has been around for, uh, 80, no, 60 years. I mean, yeah. since the sixties yeah. uh, that I can go back and, and find people that were doing it then. And where it's come today, uh, so it's nothing new. Uh, and for for certain, like baseball teams have been using it since the '60s. Uh, more and more sports start to use it, uh, and now we see it in airplane racing, boat racing, rally car driving, race car driving, uh, all kinds of different sports that require you know great hand eye coordination and and instant decision making. Yeah. So when I start in, incorporating now, it's like well. Uh, what we, what we do with what's in our hand is very important. And we need right. to make and make sure and understand that we are making good decisions and yeah. our eyes are gathering information and we're working on the reactionary process, which is sensory stimulation, uh, perception, cognition, and execution. Um, so, you know, taking what the Academy has been doing, uh, I think since like the eighties, uh, and, the thousands of cadets they've put through their, their assessments and their courses and their curriculum with that. Uh, but also the studies that they've done show like, yeah, if you train vision, you can increase your dynamic visual acuity, not necessarily the static, right. uh, which is like 20, 20, 20, 10, but the dynamic visual acuity of being able to pick up more information and remember more information as you pick that up. So I think it's very important and it's something that I do like to incorporate into peak performance because it's, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. And, yeah. um, yeah. you know, where a lot of people, uh, when we do, you know, vision from a firearm standpoint, it's like, well, this is what I want you to be doing. And I think it's more of a technical aspect of the skill where we're now we're eliminating the tool and we're working the mechanism more. Yeah. So again, it's just a different way to achieve the same goal. And I think by doing one benefits the other. And when you mesh them together, you have a, you've got a darn good end goal and product. Yeah. And like he said earlier, you're sending people home with something they can actually work on. You're not just saying you should stretch more and shoot more if you want to. It's a, it's the whole, 
the whole picture. And I don't know why it's taking so long to get to the uh, shooting world, especially for police departments. I mean, gathering as much information as possible in a split second, you know, that's huge. Uh, I think talking with uh, law enforcement departments over the years is um, administrative, you know, parts of the department are very uh, resistant to change and they need to be able to justify what the change is going to be and how that's going to impact them. Mm-hmm. So, because they're like, Hey, if it ain't broken, like, why are we going to fix it? Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if you never, if you never work to change things, things will never change. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately I think uh, we hear it enough that, you know, standards are too low. Uh, we need to change how we do things. So there is this evolution. And I, I said it five, six, seven, eight years ago, like this style, these concepts uh, will continue to become more prevalent in the firearms community uh, because of where they are, where they've been, where they've gone and, and who's going to catch on next. So uh, every year, you know, it seems to be uh, another topic. More and more people are aware of it now. It's new to them. And it's just this evolutionary hamster wheel uh, of things that will come. And who knows in a few years, it might be like, Oh yeah, it's just common knowledge. We do it all the time. Right. And then it comes back like, wow, this is new, amazing stuff. Like, well, at some yeah. point, everything is new to somebody. Uh, yeah. So, but it's not necessarily new in the sense that it's never been done. Yeah. I know you're not a, I told you so guy, but I'm sure it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does. But at the same point, like I'm not going to, you know, throw that and rub that in someone's yeah, face. You're not going to be spiteful uh, about it. I get that. Or, and, and just be like, yeah, like, and I think that's kind of going back to uh, the coach role is yeah. like, cool. You, you got it. You want to work on it. Let's, let's do it. Um, yeah. You know, I have a, I have a, an individual in a class right now. And, uh, you know, they made a comment the other day is, man, you've got a lot of patience. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, you have to, yeah. um, you know, we need to meet people on their level. And I will say through my time in coaching, you know, little kids and sports, to uh, the average population doing personal training when I started to get my feet wet in, in doing that, uh, to coaching kids from a strength conditioning standpoint, to coaching people, uh, no matter where they are, we have to meet them at their level. Uh, and we can't get frustrated in that. Um, we, we can't say, nope, I'm not going to work with you because you're not here. Uh, mm-hmm. You're beneath me. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's unfair. So yeah, there comes a time where patience is, is tested, but ultimately like people are, if people want are hungry to learn and they're there and they want, and they're paying you mm-hmm. like take all the time in the world and we will invest everything we can into it in that time frame. Uh, but I just looked at her and I said, what I'm here for. Like, yeah. I can't make you catch on any faster than, than you are. Right. So, you know, we'll work through it. We'll get through it and we'll take it step by step progressions on how we want to do things. And, but you know, pay, I said, patience is a must. It has yeah. to be. Yeah. And you, and the classes you do, um, 
not just your peak performance classes, but you do a lot of other entry level stuff too. So you're used to people, um, you know, the, I don't oh, yeah. call like, the I people mean, that people are loading, unsure of themselves constantly and people loading, uh, around backwards into the yeah. magazine, trying to insert the magazine backwards into the gun. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, all those things, like we, I see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's just part of, um, just part of the job. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking back, uh, try to go through things quite often. And usually end of the year, I like, just go through the phone and like start deleting and, and wiping everything out. Like, okay, I like <laughs> save this. I looked at it. I haven't used it. Like gone. Um, pizza, but pizza, I, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, I ate that. I ate that. I ate that. Uh, but I came across the slide that an individual was doing for a presentation. And it was like, it was just a kind of a pie chart. And it was, you know, who in the gun industry was training and this and that. And it was, uh, I want to say like the percentage was, was very, it was very high. I want to say it was like 80% of gun owners do not train. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and the people that do go do training are typically like checking the box on things. Damn get, box like, checkers, Every episode we yeah. talk about the box checkers yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get like a concealed carry permit or to be like, Hey, I want to know how to shoot my gun. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, okay. Um, but if you're going to do anything other outside of this, like we recommend you continue to work on things. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, you know, you, you get a lot of those folks in, courses that we right. do you know we've got uh shoot camp which i think is a, a great course that we do uh that we came up with oh, what was that 2016 maybe 17 that we came up with shoot camp oh, good but shoot camps and shoot camps an eight hour class but it's broken up into eight one hour sessions okay uh and and we meet two times a week so it's a four-week class uh and it basically you could take an all day Saturday class, but we've chopped it up. So it's not like just a flood of information to yeah. people. And we start off with an assessment and we end with an assessment and in between is all the good stuff. So we try to look at, well, we got four weeks of education. We got four weeks of training. Is this more of a long-term uh, skill development that we're seeing? Or in the eight hours, is it a very short-term skill development? Yeah. Because there's a big difference. Um, And, you know, we give them homework to do. We give them things to do in between sessions. And it's by far one of the best classes I think we have. And it's it also is um, one of the more popular ones that we do. Probably the most popular. Yeah, I mean, eight hours Uh, is long for anything. So, you know, just like a concealed... I'm thinking about a concealed carry class. Your brain is zapped. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. so what's the, what's the retention rate? Do people go through, do you have anybody that just after the first day, they're like, Oh, this isn't for me. Or do they enjoy just going? Um, I think time? it's happened. You yeah. know, there's, there's been, uh, been some people, um, but like shoot camps, very basic class. And yeah. it's just, a, it's a technical style of, of, of teaching, uh, and teaching the fundamentals and techniques. Cause we're trying to work on that. Uh, mastery of those things. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's bite sized chunks. It, it is. Uh, and it's, it's one session and this is what we're going to focus on. 
Yeah. Is that's it. Like, so think of it as a, a teaching block in a, in a, an all day class. We just get it once we get one session, one sitting and let them digest that for, uh, you know, 48 to 96 hours, you know, between the classes. Cause we either run them on Tuesdays and Thursdays or Wednesdays and Fridays, <laughs> given how we want to manipulate the scheduling. Yeah. Um, but you know, like people come in and they've got very little knowledge to none or people come in and they understand and know how to shoot, but yet they still walk away with tidbits and little golden nuggets and uh, improvements at the end, just by understanding how to shoot better. And yeah. now they've got a better understanding of how to do that. Yeah. As a, I'm sure the entry level classes have kind of uh, taught you how to, most people that take your peak performance class, let's say if you're not doing like law enforcement only, they're usually people that shoot a lot that are USPSA shooters. And I'm sure the entry level helps you quite a bit knowing all the stupid questions they don't want to ask you. You know what I mean? Like um, it helps you articulate things a lot better. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. I like, you know, peak performance is certainly not a beginner's class. Yeah. Uh, we prefer people to have some sort of uh, experience and knowledge. Like, Hey, like, can you draw the gun safely? Can you load, can you know how to load your gun and not have right. any help? Uh, and are, are you safe when you do things? Um, you know, that's basically, that's why not having a guy in a class would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you said um, you thought like you were saying you don't want to, or at uh, yeah, first like, you weren't going to have a gun and people were like, well, no one's going to not want to shoot a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like, again, just another, uh, a way to approach yeah. the, the problem. Um, we want to learn how to move better. Like, well, it's, it's the tool because you know, what I do with my feet doesn't matter what I have in my hand, mm -hmm. uh, or how I control my body has no nothing to do with what I have in my hand. So like, we don't need the gun to learn how to move better, but when you start to add in the gun into the equation, like, yeah, there's an important part to that. Understand how to now manipulate the gun in space mm. uh, so that you're safe with it around you and around other people, uh, especially because I tell you, we, we do teach that class, that curriculum very differently from a civilian standpoint to armed professionals yeah. as kind of the rules of the range are a little bit different. Um, <laughs> So instead of, you know, from a civilian standpoint, we're, you know, trying to be very mindful of breaking the 180 for working yeah. in a competitive setting. Uh, if we're working more from a defensive st standpoint or protection standpoint or armed professionals, it's uh, keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. Well, now it becomes the safest direction. So, and they do a lot of the temple it, index and stuff like is so, that. Is that what that's called? No. Yeah. Like this. Um, we don't get into that. I don't find a, I don't find a true benefit to it for most situations. And I mean, it was, it's supposed to I, be for extremely crowded, like secret service type stuff, isn't it? To where you can't point it at people's feet. Isn't that the yeah. whole idea where it's supposed to be I, like, well, I think people down below you. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, we work at, you know, uh, kind of a, a midsection index yeah. uh, or kind of a holster index, you know, to anchor it in your hip. Yeah. Uh, if it's on the holster, uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, the taught, the course is taught a little different. Um, still following the four safety rules, yeah. uh, but just how they're applied, um, for muzzle directions are a bit different, but yeah, like the, you know, looking back into that, I've had some, I would say some very, 
less experienced people kind of go through peak performance. Uh, but the big thing is like, you're safe with the gun. Yeah. They understand how to manipulate it. Uh, they, they know how to shoot the gun. Um, and you know, there's not so much the baby steps to kind of figuring out where the hands need to go and what we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know, in that style of teaching, it's like very much self-discovery. It's like, what's working for you yeah. uh, and how are you accomplishing X, Y, and Z using A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you get into the basic classes and courses, uh, very much the, the crawl, walk, run mentality, uh, very much there, but it's also the same idea of, um, in peak performance. And I certainly am a big believer is I will not make anyone do something that I have not done yep. or am not able to do. Uh, so I understand, you know, what they're going through and yeah. I certainly am not going to allow somebody or make somebody do something that I don't feel that they're comfortable in doing. Right. Well, we can attest. We've seen you demo everything. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we were thinking about making Tim your, uh, not test subject, but you know, if Tim ever follows the handouts, yeah, then one one day, one day, one day, he's gonna be fifty or sixty pounds lighter with a Beretta in his hand. Yeah, I don't know if I could. It comes far. with the territory. <laughs> because, I thought he was gonna get an HK. Hey, we're still. Hey, you buy one, I'll buy it from you, bub. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'll mark it up a little bit. Yeah, the shipping's oh, three hundred dollars. <laughs> Give your buddy Ernest a little nudge, like, hey, I got one in the shop. You can, uh, you can come get. Nice. I just wanna, I wanna shoot all the different trigger variations before I pull the trigger, so to speak. <laughs> I'll say the the lem is is interesting. Well, that's I've never put my hands on one, and I'd like to do that before. You know, I make the decision because I have a, I've got a single action P30 now, but I, I want to try the LEM trigger for it sure. Is, uh, is it basically like firing half cock? Like, does it feel like you're firing half cock? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, it's very interesting because it's a yeah, hammer fired gun, uh, but it's, it's like DAO all the time, but it doesn't yeah. feel like a, a DAO trigger. It's very, very short. It's like a, um, like a Glock that's like, got spring tension behind it the whole time kind of i know it's got a hammer but is it basically like it being like a fully sprung striker that you're just releasing i don't know how the internals work uh, german stuff i don't know either magic yeah yeah i don't know the specifics on how the hammers work but it's basically like uh i believe like a dao gun all the time like hammers down yeah and it's just a just the trigger manipulation is very short compared to like a 92 or any other DAO uh, style of pistol. So it's, it's, it's neat. It's definitely different. It's plastic frame though. So whatever. So it was a PX4. I, I love the PX4. It just, there's something, something about it. That's not, it's not a 92. I don't know. It's definitely not a 92. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, uh, what are your goals this year? You got any big goals this year? Uh, continue to press forward. Um, you know, I, uh, approach 41 next month. So, uh, fitness wise, like continue to do what I'm doing in that aspect, uh, continue to, you know, find ways to implement more and more of 
like the performance side of training into training and just kind of like finding ways to create game-like situations without concocting uh, ridiculous uh, scenarios mm-hmm. put it that way. Yep. Um, you know, I, I kind of look at uh, firearms training, you know, being been doing this now for almost 10 years is every instructor is like a skills coach in sport. Um, if you want to get better at, if you want to be a quarterback, you go to a quarterback skills coach, mm-hmm. like, and they're going to refine your technique where you to release the ball and, and do all these things. Uh, and I look at, you know, it's kind of what firearms training is. It's very technical. Uh, and uh, before anyone, you know, loses their, their mind out of this, I'm not downplaying or saying we shouldn't continue down that path. Uh, the fundamentals are super important, but Brandon powers told us to stop are, shooting to get better. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are a ton of skills coaches out there uh, who are teaching the fundamentals and how to get better at the fundamentals. And so that you can shoot faster and more accurately. And I think that's really, really good. Uh, but you know, there was a conversation I, was, I had last week with a group of gentlemen and somebody had mentioned, you know, what they do in other sports. and. And one key term that stuck out to me was drilling. And I'm like, yeah, like we don't do drilling in the sense in, in firearms training, like we do in other sports. And what I mean by that is uh, drilling, like let's take wrestling or people like in the space or into jujitsu and or whatever. And it's like, all right, I'm going to get into this situation. And now I need to find my way out of it, whether offensively or defensively. And there's this hierarchy of consensual uh, kind of intensity. It's like, Hey, it's consensual. There's no competitiveness here. We're, we're learning. We're working through the movements. Uh, and now, and this comes right, right out of Craig Douglas ship works. This is like how he explains it. And now we have consensual, but it's competitive. And then it's non-consensual and it's competitive, like full on go. Uh, and we, and we do this style of drilling and wrestling and in combative sports or even in football, like, Hey, we're going to set the play up and we're going to walk through it. And then we're going to increase the intensity. And well, now it's, it's who, whoever's going to win is going to win. Um, and now I get it. Like that's very hard to do in firearms training unless you're doing force on force. But even then that gets complicated in my opinion, because I've, I've been involved in some of those evolutions and everybody's always trigger happy. They're paranoid uh, on how that's going to work out. Everybody's um, watching you. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, what are their hands? Did you doing? take like, that Craig yeah, again? Did you take that Craig? I, I did. Douglas class. I, yeah. I, I've taken Craig's ECQC. It was two years ago down on lacrosse here back in Wisconsin. So it was a good class. And like, his thunder dome as it's called it. Uh, or, yeah. Or like how he uh, does role playing. It's very open, yeah. um, but there's like, there's a lid on it. Uh, it does not allow it to get like into crazy concocted scenarios, um, you know, and things. So it's, it's very much different, but you know, kind of what I mean is like, how can we, you know, institute some style of, of drill and not like, a shooting drill, but uh, a drill to work, you know, reality into the, into the, into the performance. Uh, and it was, you know, recently kind of looking at is like, well, with the tennis ball and grabbing, uh, casting the ball back and forth and grabbing it and reading the letters. Like this is me being cast fixated somewhere else. 
And then like, well, when the stimulus goes off or the stimulus is presented, I now need to act. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's, uh, that's an everyday life right there for for us. Yeah. Um, we're not standing on main street anymore at high noon waiting to get into a gunfight uh, with somebody with 20 paces away. I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, some people might want to, but I I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and I, and I've talked about that with, that, that kind of idea with a lot of my uh, colleagues in the law enforcement community. And I'm like, Hey, this could be you talking on the radio, you typing on your computer in your car, you walking up to window, looking at identification, mm-hmm. doing something, and you need to switch tasks uh, very quickly and understand what needs to be done. Uh, you know, and you know, there's, there's things to be said about being very, very good at the technical skills of shooting. You know, if you're better at something, you most likely will, will perform pretty well at right. whatever it's going to involve. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any harm in looking at other ways to mix in certain performance concepts. And this is something, you know, I've, I read uh, many books from Rob Gray last year and, you know, learning how to move and coaching movements. And uh, Rob's a, a, I think a sports scientist. He works out of uh, university of Arizona or Arizona state. Um, but he does, he works a lot with baseball players, a lot with, um, you know, performance in an environment that's unpredictable. And one thing he talks about, and I used it earlier already talking to you guys is like creating adaptive problem solvers and creative decision makers. Uh, and I think that's really important in what the firearms industry is, is doing. Um, because, you know, the majority of us are not looking to perform very well. I'd say go out to perform and compete on a square range all the time. Mm. Like we're in this and we're doing things for protection and defensive use, uh, or because people uh, are sworn officers and they need to be able to perform on their job. So we're, again, we're trying to utilize human performance concepts and principles and mesh them into training into these technical skills to make them better performers, because that's ultimately the end goal. Uh, so trying to find ways like that, um, to incorporate this style of uh, training into firearms training. That's very, for one, easy to do it, and it's applicable and you don't need a uh, high p- fancy tech to do it. Um, so, you know, a bag of tennis balls is like 10 bucks, get a Sharpie marker and start writing some numbers on it and make people think before they are doing things. Because the reality of it again is like, we're not going to be, standing still mm-hmm. square to a target hands prepped uh, to do the thing when it matters the most, we yeah. are going to be actively engaged most likely in another task. Uh, so it's kind of the same thing of uh, when I, what I've started to do with law enforcement training when it comes to movement, like, Hey, we're, we're learning the technical aspects, the mechanics of movement uh, using closed drills, cone drills, uh, you know, and it's very predictive, you know, so this is the thing, this is the difference between change of direction training, movement training and agility, uh, change of direction has total whole body movements, but it's very predictive. It's known it's rehearsed. I know exactly when and where it's going to happen, yeah. whether the, the stimulus is tactile, audible, or visual, um, when it comes to agility, it has all that, but the stimulus is unknown. So one thing I started to introduce into law enforcement training is this unknown stimulus. So having them move, but then produce the stimulus and require an action after the stimulus has been presented. So it might be, Hey, we're moving down range or this or that, Well, on the whistle, I want you, you know, so I'll use a visual stimulus 
to dictate the direction I want them to go. And then I'll use the whistle or the timer to initiate. All right, now you can engage a target. So yeah. it's getting them to think versus just uh, mindlessly repping out reps like a robot on the range. Yeah. Yeah. They're already engaged in something. So they have way more stuff going on. They have to think their way out instead of waiting for the buzzer to go off. Yeah. So, and like, again, like there's a point in time to that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think it happens early on, uh, you know, to, to, to develop this level of technical mastery in the fundamentals and to continue to work on those because that's, what's going to make you a better shooter. Uh, I think the other things that we're looking to apply into training can assist you in becoming a better performer. Uh, you know, so I think that's my kind of my big goal and focus, you know, in the, in the coming year is, is how to continue to find ways to incorporate those things into firearms training that it doesn't make it into some silly entertainment thing or this like widely unrealistic concocted scenario of, you know, uh, unrealistic, unrealistic training. Um, because uh, I don't believe that's really beneficial because we're not here for an experience. We're here to continue to learn, uh, how, you know, here's the term, learn how to train, uh, but, but how you can now take what we're doing and implement it into what you're already doing to add another layer or aspect uh, into, into your programs. So, yeah, you don't want to turn it into a big circus basically. No. And you know, um, the, the thing is, is like a lot of the stuff that we we are implementing into training can be trained in and of itself. And you don't need the gun. You don't need the range yeah. uh, to do those things, um, you know, to work on the reactionary process. You know, you, you don't need the gun to do that uh, to understand how to apply the brakes better or get on the gas and movement. You don't need the gun to do that. Right. Uh, but now when you incorporate the gun, you need to understand, uh, what the gun is giving you from a feedback standpoint. I mean that from a sighting system uh, on when you can have an acceptable sight picture to take the shot or not. Uh, but when you hone the mechanics of the movements uh, and things like that, like I think the shooting just uh, will become better. The movement with the gun will become better uh, because the ultimate goal is for them to both complement each other and not have one hinder the other. For sure. I do have a question, <clears throat> Brandon. Yeah. When you uh, when you're teaching law enforcement, your law enforcement only classes, <clears throat> do you see any like different types of students versus your USPA shoot USPSA shooters versus your law enforcement? Like, are are they required to be there, or is it a a uh, like a voluntary um, thing? Most of the courses that we've taught so far uh, is voluntary. Okay. It's been open enrollment. Um, and it's just been kind of aimed at, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do an LE only class uh, okay. for this. So it's been open enrollment. So the people, so they, so they want, are, they want to be there because they, they do want to be there. You know, I think um, uh, cops, you know, if, if you're bringing a whole new idea back or, to blue brother, sorry, you know, you're bringing all these other ideas and stuff and not telling them how to do their jobs, but you know, showing them better ways to do things. I, I could see them, you know, pushing back or not being the best students that they could be versus somebody, a USPSA shooter that wants to better their game. So I just didn't know if. Yeah. You know. And I think that's the it's a fair and valid point. Cause even too, from an athletic standpoint, like you working with a team, there are 
some athletes who really want to be there, some who do want to be there and others are like, yeah, you know, I have to be here. So I'll, I'll go through the motions. I'll do it. And, you know, you, you give everybody, uh, attention, you give, you know, you acknowledge that they're all there. Um, you know, and there's, there's going to be times where you, you stop investing yourself into certain people because they just don't care. But, uh, you still have to make sure that you keep them engaged, that you still express that, Hey, it's cool that you're here. Let's, let's continue to learn on things, uh, and things like that. So, uh, but for the most part, you know, a lot of the trainings that we've been doing, they've all been open enrollment. So people are wanting to be there. They're wanting to get better. Uh, and you know, I think that's a, that's a, that's a cool thing to see, um, that group, uh, mm-hmm continue to push the envelope because, uh, they, they want to, uh, they want to make change. Very good. For sure. <clears throat> I know when I took your class and Jared, you know, kind of pushed me into taking your class, which I'm, I'm glad I did, but I know at the first, the, at the very beginning, I think it was, was it July or August, August? Uh, I, I know it was about six, 6,000 degrees outside. <laughs> And at first was I was like, warm. Yeah, that day, I remember that. I was like, what in the hell did I get myself into? But by the end I was very, you know, not only humbled, but, um, it was a great class. And I'm glad it took it for sure. Yeah. And I, I kind of look at it like, uh, from the standpoint of <laughs> you should walk away from a training, uh, you know, maybe not being humbled as much, but being like, man, I, I do see the importance of this. Definitely. And I also see it kind of play off into the other realm. Like when individuals go to ECQC or they start doing grappling or jujitsu and they're like, man, I'm not what I thought I was. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think this is, this is a, it, 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 it can certainly serve as a wake up call. Uh, you know, and, and, and once you leave now, it's like, what do I need to do, continue to do to utilize that information to continue to improve upon? Um, you know, that, and that, that's the, that's the big thing. Like you could go to as many classes as you want and gain all the knowledge you want, but if you're not applying it, it doesn't yep. make you the smartest person in the room. It doesn't make you an expert. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the, that's the big thing is, um, people don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize their capabilities until they're pushed outside a comfort zone. Uh, and, and maybe that's why a lot of people push competitive shooting because it is a way to, you know, to see where you stack up against people. Um, but if you're not willing to put off, put up, put the work in outside of a match, well, I don't think you're really going to get that much better just by going to shoot matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like, you know, Hey, if I went and took a, went to the gym today to, to join some type of class. I don't continue to go back to do it or, you know, I don't stay consistent with it. Eh, I'm not going to really get anything out of it. Right. It's not to say like the class was bad or whatever. I just, I'm not putting in the work to do it. Right. Um, so, you know, I look from, again, like how I look at things from a firearm standpoint is very similar to uh, what people think of dry fire or I guess movement standpoint, um, dry fire. You don't need any ammo to do it. You you do it off the range. You can do it on the range. Uh, movement, the vision, uh, a lot of the work can be done off the range without the gun to improve 
that quality and characteristic when you put the gun back in your hand and you get back on the range or you put it in a holster and put it on your belt and go about your day. Um, first and foremost, I think strength is the foundation of everything we do in life. Movement is essential in life. Uh, without those two things, life doesn't happen. Yeah. So for me, that's very important. Uh, and it's my priority. Um, and people might think that's backwards, but uh, without those two things, like you, you wouldn't be able to get out of bed. You ain't shooting you nothing get, without it. Yeah. You're not going to be able to walk down the stairs, you know, yeah. go do anything without those things. Uh, and ultimately I think those things will benefit you far more throughout life than how well you can shoot. Um, yeah. You know, I heard, uh, I think it was, I don't know, listen to Steve Fisher on one of his lives that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, grandma, grandma shot somebody and put, you know, breaking in their house or, you know, so-and-so shot somebody and like these people have little to no training uh, yeah. involved. They just are in the right spot at the right time. They have a position of advantage. Maybe they, they, they are in a situation to where, yes, a firearm benefited them, but, um, you know, do we need to be, do we all need to be world champions in shooting? No, uh, to be proficient. Absolutely not. Um, but I think there's, there's nothing wrong with becoming better at shooting. Uh, but you guys might see it in your career field. I've certainly seen it working with uh, a lot of people in a lot of different career fields and uh, ways of life is that uh, fitness is important and being physically fit, your outcomes of survivability increase drastically uh, because health-related diseases are mm. the number one cause of death uh, that we that we face. So um, taking care of your mind, taking care of your body uh, is, is super important. Um, so, and that's, that's, I think that's a hard pill for people to swallow and maybe people like, are you, you're serious you're talking about that? You're talking, you're trying to get people to become better at shooting guns. <laughs> and you're telling them not to do that. I'm like, no, no, I ain't saying don't do it. Yeah. I'm saying, what are the priorities that we need to look at? And I think physical fitness is a very big priority. Um, you want people to we should, be able to make it to the range before they worry about whether they can shoot their gun or not. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think and a simple way to put gonna, it. Yeah. I think if you are into guns and into shooting, like you should be going to the range, you should be being proficient with it because you are wielding a very powerful tool. Uh, and you should be very good at it, at right. doing that, right. or at least to a certain level that it is, going to provide a benefit to you, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the end and, and not cause you or cause somebody else pain because of your poor decisions or your poor skills and abilities. Yeah. I think some people treat it like a video game and they think they're better by how many rounds they've shot that year <laughs> when they've sat on a line and just shot. Yeah. You always see the round counts. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It I depends mean, who it I is. Like I will say like, uh, you know, if you want to get better at a sport, the, the way to get better at it is to continue to go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly uh, a very true, like if I wanted to be better at playing football. I, I need to be going to play football. I want to be better at hockey. Yeah. Better be uh, skating a lot and working on that. Uh, but again, there's another segment to this that, you know, being in better shape, being more physically trained, uh, has its benefits. It's, it's important to do. So, you know, if you want to get better at shooting, 
you need to get on the range. You need to be doing dry fire. You, yeah. you need to be putting rounds down range. Uh, now, the thing with that is you need to be objective uh, in your training because just squirting bullets out of the gun isn't going to make you better. Dumping right? it to trash. And including in your dry fire. I know you're a big proponent on that. Everything you do, you stay engaged and it's like meaningful. If you're going to be dry firing your gun and not spending time with your family, you're going to do it for a reason, not just sitting there pointing yeah, out the wall, yeah, squeezing absolutely. the trigger. Absolutely. Um, like you need to be very, in dry fire, obviously very honest because you don't have, uh, you don't have holes in the target to tell you like, whether it's good or not. So you need to have a certain level of understanding. Of hopefully you don't. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you don't. Uh, but like just from shooting, uh, you, you guys have seen it and I'm sure a lot of us have seen it is, you know, we, um, we see people like, Oh, I went to the range day, I went to the range day, I went to the range day and their targets don't necessarily get any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's like, are, are, are what we doing is it being useful? Mm-hmm. Uh, or are we just, you know, enjoying the moment? Uh, and that's, that's yeah, a big comparison that's I make with individuals talking about in shoot camp is like, you know, we have shooting and training in our, in our name. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah. Shooting is going to have fun. It's enjoying the sport. Uh, and, but training is very, very detailed, uh, and it needs to have reflection. It needs to have a purpose. And I look at it and I re- I relate it back to, uh, working out in training. They are very different mm. working out. is like, man, like, yep, I'm going to go get a workout in today. Uh, you know, maybe I want to go, I just, maybe I just want to go get smoked, like get a sweat on, you know, get a pump on, go do something, um, and go through the motions versus training is very methodical. Mm. Uh, it's very, um, detail oriented, there's objectives to it, you know, and there's, there's a whole other system to that. So, um, you know, what I do down here, when I lift, like we're training for, for a reason. Uh, and there's some days where like, Hey, I'm going to go work out and I'm just going to kind of move some weight around together. Yeah. Yeah. Just do a bunch of stuff to, to kind of hopefully make myself feel a little better, get a sweat on, uh, do some things, but you know, is there some long end goal to it? Maybe, maybe not. That's what I kind of look at shooting and training. There's a difference. There's a difference between working out and training. Uh, so, you know, when you go and do those things, it has to be very, very detail oriented. You know, people talk about purposeful training or, um, what's another deliberate training. Yeah. I've, uh, I've seen think, all three of them. But, but training, Means. training is training. Like it's deliberate. Yeah. It's purposeful. There's, there's no, to me, there's like no deliberate training. There's no purposeful training. Cause if you're not doing that, you're then just it's not training to begin with, or you're just working out. Exactly. It's not training to begin with. Yeah. Training is very deliberate, very purposeful because it's mapped out. It's organized. You've got plans and set in sets and reps and rep counts and whatever to be done. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a huge difference already. So I was like, Hey, you're going to go train, go train because training is purposeful. It is deliberate because if you're just spinning your wheels, you're not doing that. Yeah. You have any, I wanted to ask you if you had any weird, like uh FUD lore you wanted to dispel before we <laughs> hopped off here or myths or industry scars as they call it, or just silly things. Um, we've we've talked about a lot of them, but yeah, I think the big things are is the shooting community needs to continue to look outside of its, of its small group on what performance training is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, there's, I think the big push in shooting is, you know, to always get faster and always get more accurate. Uh, and there's a ton of room and growth there for a lot of people. Uh, but I think there's comes a point in time where people become proficient enough on speed and accuracy that you may just not know, but you may no longer get that vertical growth in that area. Yeah. So it's like, how do we continue to incorporate other concepts to improve performance, to make better performers? Yeah. Um, you know, so I look at that as don't discredit something because you've never done it or it's never been done that way. Uh, because that is a, a FUD lore thing in every aspect yeah. of life or agency or, you know, how things were done is well. And I, I, dealt, I deal with this all the time as a strength coach, uh, dealing with coaches who are coaching teams and like, well, we didn't do that. So we're not going to do that. Or I didn't do doing it that way. So we're not going to do it. It's like, okay, why? Oh, just because, um, so, and I've dealt with that in the shooting community a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I constantly see now all these ideas that we've been talking about for years becoming to the surface more and yeah. now being more accepted and, and just like, yeah, I don't know. Like I've told people like, no, I don't have an extensive law enforcement background. I wasn't a cool military operator dude. Uh, you know, so who am I to say like how this stuff works, but the, the people that do do it, um, and are doing it will be like, yeah, stuff works. Like it, it's applicable. Uh, and now it's being again, more and more kind of related into the world in the world. And that's my big thing is trying to find ways to continue to incorporate these ideas, uh, to make them more applicable and more accessible. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea of utilizing performance coaches outside of shooting. Uh, I think from a, from a physical standpoint, uh, I would like to see be more accepted, uh, but more also mainstreamed more mainstream, but still like removing mm-hmm. the, the tools from that, those things. Uh, Cause we see it all the time, like mental management, like sports psychology has been around for a long, long time. Um, you know, I, I shared some things uh, a few weeks ago and, and somebody, you know, Message me about it. And they're like, oh, that's very like Lanny Basham, you know, type of stuff. And I was like, yeah, but you know, Lanny Basham didn't come up with sports psychology. Like he was just a successful shooter who utilized the concepts into his own game. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, yeah, but he's the one who kind of like popularized it. I'm like, yeah, he like brought it in, but like he is not the guy. Yeah. Like he, he read, he read some ideas. books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, but when we do mental management or sports performance in that standpoint, like there's no gun in the hand, right. like, it's, it's all things up here. So like, look, working on movement and, um, you know, here's, here's kind of a thing. Like we see it on the internet is we see everyone bash the idea about, and I'm, I'm have no dog in this fight, but everyone bashed the idea of uh, footwork and CQB, but yet we see people wanting to learn footwork on a closed flat square range for competitive shooting. <laughs> I'm like, like, so this is my big thing when it comes to movement. Uh, there's some techniques that I will talk about, obviously uh, when it comes to movement and how to do things, but ultimately what we want individuals to do is to build this large drop, drop down menu. Uh, so when they find themselves in a situation, they can pull from the drop down menu 
to choose the most efficient and effective way to move. And the yeah. body's going to do that regardless. Yeah. So instead of trying to coach things out of people or coach certain techniques into people, it's allowing them to explore these inconsistencies or variabilities into movement and harness them and coach certain movements up uh, yeah. so that they execute them properly and that they are moving in the most efficient and effective manner and that they are expressing and absorbing force properly in how their body is being uh, utilized in the concept, the situation or the task that they're doing. Yeah. That's, I think, the big thing that is really missing out of the whole movement side is everyone wants to teach a certain technique on how to do things and coach certain things out of people versus coaching things up and making people perform better and execute those techniques better. Uh, one thing like people say the whole, the whole drop step thing by moving your foot, you know, six inches, one way, the opposite way you're going, you're wasting time. <laughs> like you, you've tested it on a timer and a timer shot timer is, is recording shot times. And there's a ton of other variabilities uh, in doing a course of fire than just the movement pattern from one point to the other. Mm -hmm. So until you take the shooting aspect out of it and you put it into a timing gate, just to look at the movement time from position to position, people who say you waste time taking one, just taking a step. Uh, I don't, truly believe and understand what's really happening because what I see is poor execution in the technique versus proper execution in the technique. Yeah. So it's, or the technique is so overly exaggerated poorly because we're trying to, we're trying to, uh, um, you know, get people to buy into the solution you've created and let them just mimic it. And they have no idea what they're actually doing. Yeah. So fudging I mean, the numbers. And that's, yeah. and that's like a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of the things that, you know, I talk about that I've been talking about lately in the past couple of weeks is like how we express force matters. Like how I put my foot in the ground and how I do things it's going to matter. And it's going to make a difference. If I uh, do things poorly there, well, sure. I'm going to waste time because I'm wasting time because I've executed the movement pattern yeah. uh, poorly. Um, so I've got some more stuff going to, come up with that in a couple of weeks to kind of show some more things. But I think that's one thing is, is looking more outside the circle uh, when we want to talk about performance and other aspects of shooting versus constantly listening to the regurgitated dogma uh, that is being sold um, from shooters over the years uh, who again, may not fully understand what is actually being done because all they've heard it from is somebody who's come before them who yeah. may be a better shooter, but they themselves may not be well experienced or educated into what they are actually talking about. Right. It's just, it might just again, be naturally I, uh, good at shooting, which happens. Right. And you I know. think that's the biggest thing. I guess the biggest bug lore thing from movement standpoint is, um, don't do this because this is better. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, it needs to be like, let's, let's coach things up to yeah. make that better. Yeah. Um, versus trying to coach it out of people because we all move differently. And I think that's another thing that I've taken from Rob Gray and, and reading and listening to him in, in his work is everybody's got their own little quirks. Everyone's going to move a little differently. Uh, so stop trying to get everybody to do how you exactly do things and let them self explore, let them self discover how to become effective and efficient with the concepts that you are applying, uh, into, into training. Preach it, brother. So, <laughs> I mean, if I got in the weight room and basically told everybody to squat, how I squat, 
or if I got out in the grass and told everybody how to sprint exactly how I sprint, we're not going to get anywhere. Right. Um, or how I do a power clean or a snatch or how I do things like here are the fundamental concepts of how this stuff works. And this is how we want to be doing it essentially, but we need to get this from here to here, or we need to make you be able to put rounds on target accurately. And this is essentially what we need to be doing. How you do that, you know, where you put pressure on the gun may, well, well, some may be better than others possibly, but I don't think there's an absolute answer for everybody. So when it comes to movement and it comes to how things are executed, it's how can somebody accomplish the task in their most effective and efficient way to get the job done? And that's what's going to really matter because ultimately, uh, even if we're in a closed environment, things always don't go how they're supposed to go. And we have to self-organize. We have to be uh, adaptive and problem solving and, and make those creative decisions in order to execute the task efficiently and effectively and have that positive outcome. So it sounds like you want people to be accountable for themselves instead of my instructor never showed me that. So I don't know. Right. I mean, and that's, I, I think that's kind of the thing where I going back into of, uh, where I want to kind of uh, bring things into training is create, you know, more of game like, uh, style of training yeah. is, you know, Hey, we're going to start kneeling and I want you to stand and I want you to draw, or we're going to start standing. And I want you to kneel and draw or, you know, different start positions, you know, instead of always squared hands prepped at the target or, you know, or just like those unconventional, you know, hand positions, but you're still in a static position. Like yeah. they're still they're squared very, off. It's still very gameable, um, you know, or turns and draws or whatever. Like yeah. the ideas are very similar, but how I am working to apply those concepts are very different because now we're incorporating more movement to it. Um, so there is a point in time that the true technical fundamentals should be isolated, but there comes a point in time in everyone's training journey where we have to start implementing this drill like uh, situation or yeah. strategy to make it more real. Yeah. And honestly, like getting training gunfights is, is something that is very difficult to do because nobody wants to get shot, right. uh, obviously. And it was very bad if you're an instructor, but <laughs> doing force on force is not always a, a possibility for individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also very difficult to do uh, and, and to manage. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, we're not going to take up too much more of your time. Um, is there anything you want to shout out <laughs> before um, we head out? Run LTT. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> you know, uh, no, I mean, the thing is, is uh, like, uh, there was a, another mentor of mine in college. He's a uh, wrestling coach, coach Malachek. He always preached to the team, um, his, his kids and what we're working with them was, you know, invest time in yourself. Don't spend time. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that's a big difference. Like investing time in yourself, you are, uh, you care about what you're doing versus spending time is just going through the motions. Yeah. And that investment is putting money in the bank. Uh, so when the time comes, you have the opportunity to make a sizable withdrawal to have a positive outcome in what you need to do. Yeah. So I say, take care of your, your body. Uh, and by doing that, uh, and improve your mental health. Um, and if you want to get better at shooting, well, you need to get on the range, you need to do some training, dry fire, 
be accountable in what you're doing. But ultimately, my big thing is be your best, be elite, and every day continue to improve, become a better version of yourself, no matter what that is. Amen to that. Very well said. I'm going to put some uh, links down for your um, IG and the website and everything, because if people want to look into this, you have so much stuff on Instagram where you could just start implementing yep. this stuff, you know, today, you know? Yeah. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of good info, a lot of free stuff. And uh, if people are interested, they can always reach me, reach to me there. Yep. I will uh, put a link down below. Um, if you don't feel like clicking the link, it's the Brandon powers on Instagram. So yeah, simple. You got anything to me? Nope. Nope. All right, man. Thanks Thank again you. for talking to us. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good day guys. Right, you too, man. Take it easy.